in this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark, and Sam Robertson. We're joined by special guest Phil Sanderson. And oh my, it's a big one. We are going to talk about how divided you are inside, where you hate your own physical frame and you find it hard to access God. We're going to fix all of that in this episode of What the Prophets Say. Hello, my friends, and a very warm welcome to another episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. And as ever, I am joined by the sidekick of glory and anointing and prophetic genius that is Mr. Sam Robertson. Hi, Sam. How are you? Uh, yes, I'm good. I'm excited for these next few episodes. This is, we, yes, we are back into studio, Yay. set up to record a few of them, and... We are joined by a very special guest, loyal listener to the podcast. Mm. But can we just say, you are going to have your mind blown by his excellence. So, shall we call you his excellency? That might be inappropriate. <laughs> it's as good as Gloria Sidekick. Gloria yeah. Sidekick. It is Mr. Phil Sanderson. Phil Sanderson, you are born in Northern Ireland, mm -hmm. but you live and reside for how long in Scotland? I've been in Aberdeen for 27 years. That is a long time. So Ulster, Northern Irish accent. Northern Irish. But actually very little Scottish amendment to it. No, just enough to be understood. Y yes, you, 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 have dull, you have dulled the broadness of the, the Irish so that the Scottish can pick you up. So we have in Sam our only Scot. And yes. Uh, and Phil and I outnumber you two to one ratio Irish to Scottish. Pray for me. Pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Sanderson, you're a, a prophet, a shepherd, a teacher. You lead a church, married with three children. What else do we need to know about you? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> Come on then. Um, uh, okay, so I... I'm probably the only person to have been fasting and put on weight uh, <laughs> after my fasting. That, you fasted and put on weight. That's well, mega. you know, I, I kind of feel I was I, I've been fasting my evening meal, but maybe overcompensating just last thing at night. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I've been fasting and put on weight. That yeah. is a glorious. Yeah. Yes, yes. Is this for weight loss or for godliness? It's for godliness, so I don't oh, care. Oh, so right, okay. <laughs> right, okay. okay. Not, yeah, not, it's not I shouldn't tell, even tell people I'm fasting. <laughs> fasting for godliness. Yes. It's not intermittent fasting and I've put on weight. That is tragic. I, I'm almost scared to say to you, what on earth were you eating after you were skipping meals? <laughs> A fair amount of toast. <laughs> oh, toast. toast. Yeah, bread. Oh, bread yeah. does it. Yeah, Bread does. Yes, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? And the other thing that you've told me recently is, this is hilarious, you never get full eating... Oh, sushi. Sushi. Yeah. Never been full on sushi. No. <laughs> never That's been full hilarious. on sushi. Phil, for those of you who don't know, is married to a woman from Asia who is an outstanding dumpling chef. I mean, that's not her main job. No, that's not her main job. That's her sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we, we have uh, family dumpling days. So myself and the kids will gather around the table. We'll make the dumplings. It's, so my wife's from China. So there's there's this whole dumpling kind of culture going on. Ceremony. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it takes it takes about two hours to do all the dumplings. And, and then she puts it out after cooking it and they're all gone in five minutes wow. what do you, what do you fill them. them with oh just all kinds of things uh prawns pork you know this kind of stuff 
Oh, well, it's all good. Yeah. It's all a good. dumpling ceremony. I know the, the, the Sanderson <laughs> dumpling ceremony. That's it. Yeah, That's the it. weekly. Listen, I, I do not come from a country that has a whole ceremony once a year built around to sing a poem to a haggis. That's all. Scots. Oh, <laughs> did you that? Now that's a so for our loyal listeners, we have a very famous poet. Yes. Um, called Robbie Burns. Robbie Burns. Robert Burns. Or Robert, Robbie Burns. Robert Burns. He is the national bard, national poet of Scotland, and Phil Sanderson is right. Once a year, we do use his poetry to sing yeah. or decree over a haggis. Yeah. Before we eat it. Ode to a haggis. Ode to a haggis. To a haggis. Uh, Sam, you're the Scottish person. We are going to get on to spiritual I don't. Matters. I can't recite it if that's what you're asking. <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask you to recite it. What is a haggis? A haggis is a three-legged animal. Um, the ends of its... of its. It's a Scottish dumpling. Of its, it's of a its giant legs Scottish are, are dumpling. green and it can only run in a circle because of its three legs. No, a haggis is... I won't tell you what it is, but it's a national dish in Scotland. It's made from um, parts of an animal, and it's delicious. It's peppery, it's smooth when cooked right. See, do you and... see that we're actually avoiding telling you which parts of an animal, yes. and that it is encased in the stomach Stomach-oven. lining of a sheep? Yeah. What was it, the So I Married an Axe Murderer, where they said that most Scottish cuisine is based on a bet? <laughs> Not wrong. Do, do you not see that we've immediately gone to talking about food? That yes. is the, the the Ulster, Irish, yep. and Scottish, Scottish. tendencies. Yeah, it's our Celtic love language. Food. Celtic love language. It's food. Dumpling and food. Love language. The sixth love it's, language. It is. It's food for the Celts. <laughs> okay, we are not going to talk about something spiritual, mm. and you will see the greatness of our, our, my uh, friends here today. This is really important stuff, and I have developed a phobia which I want you guys to tell me whether I need deliverance ministry and exorcism or not. Almost certainly. Almost certainly. <laughs> I, I've not even told you what the phobia is yet. <laughs> I have developed a phobia around the word supernatural. She and has. I have. I'm now developing a little bit of a soapbox. A little bit. That we should be being polite, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> and a version... Almost like a a, a knee-jerk kind of shocked reaction when I see the word supernatural written anywhere. Like, oh my goodness, I think that's problematic. So we're going to discuss the issues that we have come to uh, and the constructs that we live in. And I need your help. Let me just set the scene because I've just said a very shocking thing. So I do need to anchor it. And then I will kick the ball to your feet, gentlemen. And you can... uh, figure out what you want to say in response i do think that modern man and i am talking about modern man has dangerously created two realms Mm. he has divided what god did not ever divide and he has divided in his thinking nature and supernature which then became the supernatural and the thought process there has been that we can separate the spiritual from the natural and then we can architect a two-tier false reality where we go, oh, well, there's nature and it's logical and it's scientific and then out there is supernature, supernatural and woo, it's the spooky stuff. But what it does is it allows us to push God 
far away from ourselves where he sort of floats off into space and then we only have the logic of man left to make sense of the world because we have created these two tiers of reality, nature and supernature. And we think in our modern mind that we need to take God out of scientific inquiry we need to enshrine the rationale of our own thinking uh, and then we think that belief in God is irrational and we live by a small-minded linear progression because we have divided the flesh and the spirit into nature and supernatural and I think it is now starting to really undo us Mm. discuss Go for it, Phil. So there's a journey of the church in this. Yes. And it's a two thousand year journey. Two thousand year 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 journey. So you have in the second century Gnosticism coming into the church. And Gnosticism, give us a quick definition. So Gnosticism, Gnostic just means knowledge, right? So knowledge. those who've, yeah. uh, knowledge. So there's there's a number of different words in in the Bible and the Greek for knowledge. So gnosis is that that cerebral knowledge. It's the the scientific inquiry knowledge, yeah. right? Um, whenever Paul says about having uh, knowledge that passes understanding, yeah. he's talking about epinosis, above knowledge. So the the top layer of your skin is the, the epidermis, so it's above your skin, right? Yeah. So epinosis is above knowledge. It's knowledge by experience. It's knowledge by encounter. Wow, wow, wow. So the Bible talks about knowledge that's logical. Mm-hmm. And knowledge that's beyond the yeah. logic of man. Yeah, mm. that's right. The wisdom of God. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So all all that all that stuff's there. So what you had coming into the church, which is in the context of the Roman world and a Hellenistic culture, yeah. is you have all this Greek philosophical thinking, which really kind of gets rooted in Plato and, and Neoplatonism, which separates the spiritual world from the physical world. The spiritual world is good. The physical world is bad. Oh, and you know yeah. what? Let's get practical. I find this in my marriage counselling sessions that I do all the time. Mm. My body is a problem. Physical intimacy is a problem. The flesh realm is a dirty realm. This, If I can escape to the spirit realm, it's a clean realm. And this dividing so we don't celebrate our physical form in the ways that we should. Mm-hmm. And then we always want escapism into the encounter in the spiritual realm because we've separated the realms. Yes. We separated the realms. Yes. Yeah. And so what you had, even in the second century, you had a group called the Docetists who would say Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Jesus was like this ghostly apparition. Oh, and he dear. didn't really die. He was taken up to heaven beforehand, which is actually... Uh, comes into the, 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 the Islamic worldview of what, what Jesus did, of yes. how he, he lived on earth, but he didn't really die on the cross. That was Judas and all this kind of stuff. Because we've made everything that God created physically as problematic. Yeah. Yes. Then you fast forward into the 19th century, you have the German theologians, and they're looking at the Bible, mm-hmm. and they're they're trying to be rationalistic about it. And they're saying, well, 
okay, so if we're being rationalistic, we're discounting the supernatural, therefore let's take the supernatural out of the Bible. Yeah. And so you have this whole movement of explaining the miraculous away within mm -hmm. the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the, the saying was that God could only uh, exist within the human consciousness. Now, what then happens wow. is, is that you just make God the size of the human consciousness. Yes. And you discount the external things that God does in the miraculous. So you have to start away explaining the miraculous. So, you know, Jesus didn't walk in water. He just happened to be on a board that was kind of surfing yeah, across the yeah, sea of yeah, Galilee. Yeah, nonsense like that. Yeah, nonsense like that. There wasn't really a feeding of the 5,000. The little boy pulled out his, his uh, lunch and everyone else forgot they had their lunch. And after all, isn't the real miracle generosity? Yes. Uh, no, the real miracle is feeding 5,000. Yeah, yeah. And so you have this move towards what was called modernism and now liberalism, which is then fed into the established mm -hmm. churches where we have seen no supernatural stuff taking place because we created a theology or spiritual spiritual stuff taking place yep, where we where we where we have created a theology to mask our lack of experience very mm. helpful and that sense guys you're going to get really free as you keep listening to this episode of what the prophets say and join by phil sanderson today because you need to be whole yeah and the listeners our loyal listeners here you need to be integrated from where your spirit and your flesh have been wrongly divided between yeah. and you need to be one who knows that you're spiritual with ease that you can reach into the spirit realm and you can work like Paul did in Extraordinary Miracles, that you can celebrate your physical frame, yeah. you can celebrate your spirit, the spiritual reality, you can have encounters with God with ease because you are both flesh and you are both Come spirit on. and God created you as both and both are good and that being spiritual doesn't need to be so hard for yeah. you yeah. because we have wrongly divided between the two and put the spiritual somewhere, called it wrongly supernatural supernatural is not a word in yeah. the bible at all sam do you want to help us out with this more totally and i think in this extreme that we find ourselves in and can we just say when we talk about gnosticism first it's really easy to think that's out there i think as um those who love the holy spirit as those who love prophecy we have to say probably we have some gnostic tendencies in ourselves we may not be full-blown Gnostics, but actually some of what we've taught, the general mindset, even around uh, encounters, visions, spiritual sight, mm -hmm. carry Gnostic undertones. And we believe almost that our bodies need to be eliminated as we pursue Christ-likeness. We almost believe that the yeah. physical world is the enemy of Christ-likeness, that the enemy of our, our spiritual experiences, greater prophecy, if only I could be less in the world, if only I could be less in my body, if only I could be more in the spirit we think that uh, in that mm -hmm. sense all of a sudden will happen into christ likeness and jesus totally you know d demolishes that when he yeah. says things like touch me and see touch me touch my body and, yeah. and 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 then encounter a spiritual dynamic have a revelation and i think that whole idea of of what he inhabited jesus in the incarnation jesus in his life on earth of mm -hmm. the spirit in a body of the holy spirit in a body in flesh that that what that became of a demonstration of yeah. the kingdom of god yeah. and that whole idea of touch me and see i think is is, is amazing and it's Phil. not just in the incarnation it's mm. in the resurrection yeah, yeah. and it's in the ascension and it's in the glorification of christ because how what is jesus like now well he's 
eyes of blazing fire, feet of burnished bronze, yeah. hair white as snow, all yeah. this kind of stuff. But he is physically in heaven Absolutely. as that. Come on. He Absolutely. is physically in heaven as that. Yeah. He is a spiritual being who is the perfect harmonization of the spirit and the flesh together. So, I mean, what I want to say to you guys directly as we weigh and test these truths right now is God made you and loves how he made you mm-hmm. and he did not get you wrong and he loves your desires yeah a lot of desire pleases Jesus because we were made to desire that our children know Christ or desire our spouse or desire good food with with good friends these the, or desire belly laughing or desire actually like Obadiah says, to possess our possessions or desire that um, uh, our friends are radically blessed. These are all uh, brilliant desires. Mm. And yet we're so scared. Uh, we, we actually desire, uh, God, uh, uh, God is wired to desire to be touched, to be held, to be physically embraced. Mm. And I think we're in danger of um, uh, making that so ugly that what are my options? I must carve up my face with plastic surgery because I'm not fine as I am. Mm-hmm. That there's something undesirable in my flesh. Yeah. No, 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 no. You are desirable and beautifully made as a fleshly person with skin on who is allowed to desire good things. Yeah, it's easy to have body dysmorphia if you think that everything physical is evil. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And on the flip side of that, you are all, because we're talking about the divide between the physical and the spiritual that I'm supposed to find it easy to encounter God spiritually. I'm supposed to find it easy to... He's not a God who plays ugly games of hide and seek. And we have done that to ourselves by thinking, well, I'm flesh and then I'm spirit. You are both fused and woven together and perfectly made as a spirit, flesh, flesh, spirit being. Yeah, yeah. And we've made it it hard for ourselves because we think that having a body makes it difficult to meet with the spirit of God and to encounter and we are spirit and body and because we're spirit we are it's easy for us to be spiritual there's an ease of access and some of you right now just need to hear this Uh, whether you're watching or listening I believe there is a liberation even with your own relationship with your body that's coming to our listeners right now there's a deliverance from body dysmorphia from feeling like you can't meet with God from a lack of encounters from feeling like you have a blockage there that's in your head from encounters there's a liberation right now and i believe for you as you listen and watch this coming is an ease to encounter the holy spirit and god is actually you need to say that out loud i think that that it's easy for me to be spiritual therefore there is an ease of access there's an ease to encounters because of how god has designed me i'm quite happy with the concept of the material and the immaterial Mm. or the spirit and the flesh Mm. but i'm not happy with the concept of supernatural Mm. which is this weird ugly word and then we try to be naturally supernatural which is a very unhelpful concept um now we bless those who use that terminology because i don't want to fall out unnecessarily with any of my brothers and sisters because i think we lived by the light that we had absolutely but then you understand that god adds to our revelation and our understanding of scripture and we live more illuminated as we journey and that naturally supernatural is trying to say i want to be naturally 
um, uh, you know, away off in this spooky realm with God. No, 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 no. You are spirit and you are flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Naturally, supernatural is weird. Do you want to comment on that, Phil? Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing with the kingdom of God is about the unseen and the seen coming together in submission to Christ. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's this. This is the whole thing and our trajectory that we're heading towards. You know, whenever. Christ comes again and there's a day of resurrection. And we need to understand there's a day mm-hmm. of resurrection. It's a big deal in the Bible. Yes. We get clothed with what is incorruptible. We get clothed mm-hmm. with what is immortal. So yes. that we, whenever we're standing in glory at the wedding feast of the Lamb, we're actually going to be eating stuff at the wedding feast of the Lamb. You know, because we're having physical bodies that are spiritual physical bodies they are spiritually fit and they're like based, they were in eden back to an incorruptible that's body. right yes. but only now they're based on jesus yep. as the second adam who becomes a life-giving spirit right mm-hmm. so uh the point you're making there i think is we're not about to lose our flesh no it's about being redeemed yes mm. and actually we're still going to be eating very clearly said in scripture yeah. in the afterlife with mm-hmm. christ jesus mm-hmm. at the wedding feast the feast mm-hmm. of the marriage of the Lamb. And this is something the rabbis knew. This yes. is something that they spoke to. They even speculated about what we'd be eating at the yeah. wedding feast of yeah. the Lamb. Yeah, you know, yeah. roast leviathan and behemoth, which I <laughs> just think is so cool. You know, rather than us being consumed by them, we'll consume them. You yeah. know, I, I, lo- I love that uh, thing. I think part of the problem, le- let me just make a comment on the on the Reformation and Protestantism. Shall we open a whole other zone? Let's, let's do this. Because, <laughs> because quite frankly, we have been bowing at the altar of rationalism in the church for oh, too long. Oh, come on. <laughs> mic drop right there. That is a mic drop. Yes, I think that Christianity as spirit flesh, flesh spirit beings, we should be more inclined to the strange as our normal. Mm. We should be more inclined to ridiculous decision making that looks foolish in the earth. But actually, we know that the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. We should be more wired for courageous, wild decision making because our king is not governed by the logic of the earth. Amen. Mm -hmm. So what Protestantism does and the Reformation does, as much as we celebrate the light that it shone on us, what it does do is it says this, I have direct access to God. And we go, yes, you do. Well done. Well said, that man. I have direct access to God. But what that does is it makes it easy for me to usurp God because I have taken myself out of community. Mm -hmm. I have gone into my rights and independence. And then I am free to make God in my image. So we create the world after ourselves. And Protestantism... It, in when it goes wrong is like listening to the snake in the garden again say you shall be as gods mm-hmm. and I think that we could easily say in the church are we godless self gods because we are not rooted in the sense of um, I'm spirit and flesh yeah. under God and I must be subject to the way he says things should be mm-hmm I think that this is where we need to understand something of history and context. Yes. 
because you're a church historian. Well, you're and, the man for the job. And 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 actually, whenever I was was doing my 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 research at university, it was in 17th century English Puritanism. So it was like the Calvinism on steroids, right? right. So it was like hardcore. I spent three years reading books on predestination that that was Ooh. that was kind of i know right <laughs> did you hear the collective <laughs> so, so this, this, this is this is so i kind of feel i'm slightly qualified to say stuff yes, about you this are. okay so here's the deal there's a lot of good stuff that needed restored to the church in the reformation yes mm-hmm. grace alone faith alone all this yeah. kind of stuff yeah. so important but the reformation as a movement was also a post-enlightenment rationalistic reaction to medieval Catholic superstition. Yes. It was a reactionary movement that then went into a political realm. So what you're saying is we we then are pushing our entire tradition of the last 500 years into something that is not a response to biblical truth, but a reaction to To falsehood. To falsehood. And the issues of the day. So we then go into this, we must be rational, we must be logic, we must push the spiritual as something wrong and dodgy. That's right. That's right. And so what we then do is we try to make scripture shoehorn into our theologies mm. rather than letting our theologies be defined by scripture. Very good. That's great. So what would you say, Phil Sanderson, would be our top most useful prayers? You lead a church, you shepherd a flock. So let's put some words in mouths in terms of if I'm going to pray right now over myself or as we pray for these listeners but some take-home prayers where we're suddenly going oh hang on a minute i am i have got myself into problems i've made spirituality difficult i have made finding god very hard i have less uh, encounters and experiences of god Mm. than i should have i'm spiritually dull and i am one who stands in the mirror and rejects my own physical form and I have self-esteem issues because of my physical shape, because I've made my physical stuff bad and I've made spirituality out of reach because I've divided myself. I'm so slimed by the sins of the Reformation that I can't find an easy way to be spiritual. Mm. How do we now pray? So one thing I say to my church all the time is... Go to the cross daily, but don't forget to go through to the resurrection. Very good. Because if we stop at the cross, it's all about mortifying the flesh. It's all about putting to death the flesh, right? But if we go through to resurrection, it's about new life. And it's not just about new life, it's about resurrected life, which is Christ's resurrected life, his physical life. And the resurrection then leads on to Pentecost, Mm. right? Which is fill me with the spirit. So it's... Death to the old, life to the new, empowerment mm. for the new. Wow. Every okay. single day. Very so wow. you've got to go through, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for this. I take to the, There's no other mechanism for dealing for sin than the cross, right? Yep. But we've got to press through to resurrect. You know, it mentions the resurrection twice as much as it mentions the cross in the New Testament. Wow. It's a wow, two to wow. one ratio. That I, that I partner with him in his death, his burial. Yeah. And his Uh, resurrection. And his resurrection. So I am restored into being spiritual and celebrating redemption and celebrating even how I'm physically made. And so the next stop after that 
is the glorified man. Wow, wow, wow. Sam, give us some words as we wrap up. Give us some words to pray. I think that those three phrases that you said there, to pray death to the old, life to the new, empowered then in the new, to live the new. You've got to pray that over yourself as a daily as a daily prayer, as a daily um, a activation, a daily yeah. decree. Jesus, I want to participate in your death that everything old in me would truly be old and die. Yeah. And use those words. Use, use that language because it's in scripture. But daily I receive life in my new created self, life, and empower me to live according to this life in the new. That prayer, I think, is so powerful right there. And if you need a scripture to pray or if you need a passage to sit in, go straight to Romans 8 and wash yourself in that, which carries these concepts. But I bless you right now to live in the fullness of this in Jesus' name. And so we agree that anywhere you got muddled and mixed up and came under a curse. Yeah. I break that curse off you in your thinking. Mm. I reach out to where you are in the name of Jesus. And right now, we release a prayer of unity back on the inside of you Mm. that you might celebrate your flesh, you might celebrate your spirit, that the two would fuse and grow together, Mm, that no longer would you be divided inside, that you might celebrate yourself in front of the mirror as you look at your own physical image, but that you might also find a proximity to God because you are both spirit and flesh Mm. with ease on both in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. You clearly ooze stamina. May I gently encourage you to jump over to our website, propheticscots.com, where you can download my e-course, The Prophetic Warrior, nine highly interactive sessions that will equip and train you to hear the voice of God with ease. Make sure that you subscribe and like and share this podcast. You don't want to miss all the things we have coming up for you.